Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. to hear a great message set. And I'll just remind everyone this. How many of you know that God is bigger? Jesus is bigger, right? Hey, is Jesus bigger than radical Islam? Is Jesus bigger than, than, than the problems and the trials and all the so-called fears that we can face? You're gonna hear a great message about that today from a longtime friend who knows what it's like to walk through that and Steve's a great friend of Celebration. He pastors a great church, huge church, Church of the King in New Orleans, Louisiana. So I want you to put your hands together, Celebration, and give the best welcome you can to Pastor Steve Robinson. Awesome, awesome. Woo. All right. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it, it is a joy to be here. And uh, I'm very, very grateful. Actually, I was thinking this morning, this is my sixth time being here. And I, I, I wanna just say this, I am so honored uh, not only to be a friend of Stovall, but just to, just to be inspired by him. You, you guys need to hear this, you need to know this. Your church, under the leadership of Pastor Stovall and Carrie and the great team here, is an inspiration to us. And uh, all that you guys do, planting campuses, multicultural, spirit-filled, Bible teaching, reaching the world, and uh, you guys need to know that because you come and, and, and you experience this, but you don't realize that God has given you the opportunity to be in a church that's impacting the world. How many are grateful for your leaders, for your pastors? Come on. I want you guys to give it up for them, and I mean that. Carrie, thank you. Thank you, Carrie, and the whole team here. I mean that. It's awesome, 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 awesome. How many dads in the house? Come on, dads, raise your hand. Come on now, be bold. All right, dads. Well, it is Father's Day. I have four children. I have a 19-year-old daughter. I have two boys and then a young little daughter of six. Actually, one of my sons is here, William, and his buddy. And uh, we're really excited to have uh, him here. It's interesting, you know, in Louisiana, you start driving at 16 years old. The story goes that a, that a young man, it's almost 16, he comes to his dad and says, Dad, we need to negotiate the use of the car coming up. The dad says, well, that's good. We need to talk about it. You know, uh, driving the car, having a car is a privilege. It's not a right. And uh, so we, we definitely need to talk about it. Matter of fact, the dad says, I, I tell you what, I, I want to talk to you about three things. If you want to drive the car, if you want to get a car from me, number one, son, you're, you're going to have to pick your grades up. I can look online so I can see your grades. I know exactly where your grades are. Number two, you're gonna have to read the Bible a little bit, okay? I mean, that's important. I mean, just maybe a proverb a day. You're gonna have to get the word of God in your heart because it'll keep you strong. And number three, and this is a family rule. This isn't a legal issue. This is just a family rule. Personally, I want you to get your hair cut. It's just too long. You'd be driving, getting your face. You could wreck. Our insurance rates go up. I'm serious. I just... Uh, so come back and we'll talk about three months goes by. It's right at the time. The boy's about to turn 16. He says, dad, I want to talk. The dad goes, yeah, let's talk. They go into a study. He says, uh, dad, I, I want you to know, uh, have, you, have you been looking? Dad, have you? he says, son, I want to, I want to let you, I'm proud of you. I have been looking. Your grades have come up. Fantastic. Man. I'm really proud of you. The boy goes, dad, have you noticed as well? My Bible by my nightstand, I've been reading my Bible. And it's, it's just, it's really good. And, and, and the dad goes, you know what? I've noticed that. When I've gone up to your room, I've, I've seen that. I'm really proud of you, son. Dad goes, you know, there's one other thing. He goes, time out, dad. Hang on, hang on, hang on. In the Bible, I've been reading 
I just want to be honest, because you said whatever's in the Bible, we've got to kind of believe it, live it, and stuff. Well, well, I found out Moses had long hair. The apostle Paul had long hair, and the founder, the leader himself, Jesus, had long hair, Dad. Have you noticed that? The dad goes, yeah, I've, I've noticed that they did have long hair. Did you also notice that they walked everywhere they went? I just thought I'd just, I just I'd share that with you. Don't put a dad in the corner. Don't, 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 don't put the dad in the corner. You know, as pastor was up and again last night and then this morning, just talking about uh, the tragedy that took place in your state last week in Orlando, not far from here. And, and I was beginning to think about even this week as I was putting this message together, how, how tragedy strikes people and, and how there's a overwhelming sense of fear that we can experience in the immediate aftermath of that. I mean, we hear about it, and whether it's something on a global level, whether it's something on a, a cultural, whether it's a, a, a real personal health issue, you go to the doctor, you think you're getting one report, then you hear about something else. Whether it's on a family level, what, how, how you respond during times of crisis, how you respond during times of tragedy. And, and there is this thing that hits you, and I wanna talk to you about it. There's this thing called fear. Fear is both a mindset, but fear is also a demonic spirit. I want to teach you from the Bible this morning. How you respond to fear will determine so much in your life. Our church was started in 1999, a year after you guys, and of course been inspired by y'all and watching what God's been doing. And just similar to Celebration Church, our church was growing in 1999, 2000, 2001. We didn't have a business plan. I mean, we we're just excited and preaching. And I mean, I'm just, I'm wearing a full-blown suit, spitting on everybody on the front row, rebaptizing everybody every week, whether they wanted to or not. I mean, it's just amazing, just very, very exciting. And then, and matter of fact, the weekend before Katrina, we hit our, our, our peak attendance. Man, we were fired up. August 23rd, 2005. 3,245 people in church. We were fired up, man. I grew up in South Louisiana, and growing up in South Louisiana, you know August 15th is September 15th. You're watching, particularly even before there was, there was the internet, you'd watch on TV and you'd listen to the meteorologists because we're always watching whether or not there's a, there's a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, as a kid, I'll be honest, and you guys know something about hurricanes. As a kid, we loved hurricanes because they were called hurricanes. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, you grow up, man, it's awesome. Hurricanes coming, yes, school's out. You know, you go to Holiday Inn in Jackson, Mississippi for two days, they're all fired up, you know. Bring your swim trunk, swim, eat, come back, and it's all great. But this time it was a little bit different. This time it was much different. We were in Jackson, Mississippi, and we began to hear about all the reports of what took place with Hurricane Katrina and how the levees had broken and how New Orleans was filling up with water. 80% of the city was filling up with water. And, and, and I started having all these thoughts go through my mind because again, my frame of reference, hurricane, go, come back. We've had small storms that would go, a big one way before I was born, Camille and Betsy, but, 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 but now this was our moment. This was right in the beginning when, I started, when people started texting 10 years ago. And I, I remember getting the first text, Pastor, I'm in Charlotte. They say it's really bad. We gotta enroll our kids in school. We don't know when we're coming back. I'm like, what? You're not coming back? 
Pastor, we're in Houston. Our whole, our, our, it's really bad. And our, our whole division of our old companies moved to Houston. And they say it could be six months to a year or longer. We're, we're not coming back. What do you mean you're not coming back? What about the dream of God? And what about us reaching this city together? And we're, Pastor, we're in Dallas. We got to enroll the kids in school. It's shut down for a month. We can't even get back to our house. And, and the kids are, it's, it's August 29th and 30th and 31st. The, the, the kids need to get to school. I got to tell you the emotions that I experienced during that time. As a pastor, 36 years old, the dream of God in my heart. And then I get a call. I get a call from a very well-known, renowned pastor, a great man of God. You guys would know his name if I mentioned him to you. And here's what he said. He said, Steve, you're 36 years old. Listen to this. You're 36 years old. Nobody would ever fault you. You need to pick up your life and you need to move to another city because there's no guarantee this won't happen again. I got to tell you, when he said that to me, I literally lost my breath. I, I had to sit down and went, my gosh. I, I literally sat down. I thought to myself, what am I going to do? All these thoughts are going through my mind. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do this? What's going to happen? We didn't have church for one month. We had 1,352 people. We lost 2,000 people in a month. And it took us two years to build back. And all these thoughts. And let me tell you something. I learned something about fear. Let me tell you. Fear impacts you Spiritually, it impacts you emotionally, it impacts you intellectually, and it impacts you physiologically. All those gastral issues in your stomach and the heart issues and how fear with its tentacles. And I began to realize something about fear because I'm going to tell you, it was a battle with fear. I learned that fear is not only a mindset, but fear is also a demonic spirit. Did you guys know that Jesus himself said this? He was talking about a characteristic of the last day. Jesus said this. He says, in the last days, one of the characteristics in Luke chapter 21, verse 25, this is the words of Jesus. Man, this is in red. He says, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations. Listen, with perplexity and the sea and waves roaring. Watch this. This is in the Bible. This is Jesus. He said, men's hearts failing them from what? Say it, say it out loud. Fear, from fear in the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the heavens will be shaken. Jesus talks about a time when the heavens would be shaken, but the earth would be shaken, that globally, that there would be issues in society, whether it's geopolitical realities, whether it's family situations, whether it's economic situations, whether it's health concerns, whether it's family concerns, that there would be situations that would hit people. Watch this. Not only a mindset, but a demonic spirit would hit people and their hearts literally could fail them with fear. And yet God has not called us as believers. God has not called us as believers to submit to fear. God has not called us as believers to be subjugated to fear. God has not called us as believers to be under, to be over it. Not to be overcome, but to overcome fear. God has called us as believers. 
It's interesting when I began to think about this in fear and I began to grapple and wade through this and, and, and I want to just say this, I, I want to say this resoundingly over and over and over and over today, that fear is both a mindset. You can have a negative mindset of fear, but it is also a demonic spirit. If, listen, if you don't understand the spiritual dynamic attached to this, remember this, you can't use natural means to deal with spiritual problems. You need supernatural means to deal with supernatural problems. Pastor, prove it to me. It's in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what it says. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, For God has not given you, I want you to say it with me at the count of three, for God has not given you a what? One, two, three, a. That's not an attitude. That's not a mindset. The greatest weapon in the enemy's arsenal to attack you, watch this, to immobilize you, to attempt to immobilize you, to attempt to paralyze us and neutralize us in our walk with God is fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Let me tell you, fear in your life is not God's cross that you're supposed to bear. It's not. God has not called you to be a people of fear. God has called us to be a people of faith. But how do we overcome fear? Some of you have heard my story. I, I um, was born again at 19, right at 19 years old. I was a freshman at Tulane University. And, and uh, 10 years ago, the first time I spoke here, I, told, I gave my testimony a little bit. My mom and my dad are Christians. My mom was just a wild, spirit-filled believer. They had Bible studies that prayed for me. My mom would talk and pray. And I was on the top of more prayer list. If you were a Christian in the 1980s, you prayed for me because my mom would have asked you to. <laughs> Literally. I mean, everybody's praying for me. Would you pray for my heathen son, Steve? And she, I'm seriously. Matter of fact, she had so many people praying for me. She would tell me this. Oh, I pray God saves you or, or he just kills you. And I'm like, all right, I'm open. I mean, I'm, I'm open. She'd tell me, if you don't go to church, that's fine. You're not getting lunch money. I'm, 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 I'm going to go, mom. I'm telling you, just, just quit harassing me. Parents made me go to church. Finally, finally. And by the way, let me just tell you this. If you have a mom that prays for you and you're not a Christian, give up. Just give up. You'll never enjoy sin. Listen, I'd be out with my friends. I'd see God's face and in my mom's. I'll be honest. I was more scared of my mom's than God's. I'm just being honest. As an unsaved person, though, I, I want to be totally honest and transparent. I did not remember being plagued by fear. I was not a fearful person. I mean, I didn't really like the Dracula movies in the 70s, but I, I was not a fearful person until I got saved. When I got saved, all of a sudden, I'm plagued by fear. I had to sleep with the lights on for one year as a young believer. I had people come up to me before, you know what, man? Seems like everything, you know, before I was a Christian, everything was going well for me, which is not true. You have amnesia, but anyway. But if it seemed to be going a little bit better, well, the reason is because you have switched jerseys now. You are now on the opposing team. You are now walking against traffic. Are you with me? All of a sudden, listen, I'm on the devil's team. I switched jersey. Now I'm serving Christ and I can't go to sleep at night because I'm dealing with a spirit. Everybody say a spirit of fear. I had to sleep with the lights on. I literally thought the devil was going to kill me. He'd come from underneath my bed. It was so terrifying. I could feel my heart, my stomach. I felt sick at nighttime. And literally with the lights on, I had to go to sleep many, many times holding a tape recorder with cassette tapes in it. Come on, 1987. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It was during those times that God began to teach me how to overcome fear. That God did not want me enslaved to fear. That that was not God's picture for my life. 
That was not God's inheritance. Christ did not die on the cross so that I had a sleep holding a tape recorder because I was scared of some spirit of fear. The fact is, is that throughout the Bible and throughout history, there've been different men and women of God that have struggled with fear. Matter of fact, the whole nation of Israel, there's different critical points and their history where they dealt with fear. One of those is when they were at the Red Sea. I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but the children of Israel were delivered from bondage and slavery with Pharaoh and they were, they were now leaving Egypt and they were excited and they were partying and they were dancing and they were eating and drink. they were just having a great time. And they come up to a body of water and the body of water is called the Red Sea and they're trying to figure out what to do. And somebody taps somebody on the shoulder and says, hey, time out, somebody's coming behind us. And they turned around and it was Pharaoh. Time out, didn't we just get a get out, get out of jail card free? And what's he doing? And we're, wait a minute, he's coming after us. Moses, what are we supposed to do? They can't go forward and yet they can't go backward. They couldn't go, they couldn't go side to side. And there was, they were boxed in. You ever been there before? You, you ever have a report? You ever dealt with a family situation? You felt, I, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I can't go forward. I can't go backward. I, I, I've got decreasing amount of options. And you begin to feel fear, and fear hits you. It, it hits you emotionally, it hits you physiologically. It, you feel, by the way, you can feel it in your stomach. You can feel that in your heart. You can feel it in your mind, and your thoughts get cloudy, and you get lost in ambiguity. And, and let me just be honest sometimes we're in those situations uh, because of our choices. Sometimes it's because of other people's choices that got us there. In other words, our boats are tied up to their boats and, and everything kind of rises and falls where some other people made some bad choices. But sometimes we are right smack dab in the middle of the will of God and God led us there to teach us to build our faith to overcome. The children of Israel did not sin. They weren't in sin. They weren't in rebellion. They were in the will of God. They were walking with God. Apostle Paul, he was shipwrecked a night and a day in the deep. He was in the will of God. He was stoned, left dead three times. He was in the will of God. Don't let anybody tell you that if you serve God, all your circumstances are always wonderful. But regardless of your circumstances, you can have a spirit of faith and you can overcome. The children of Israel were right in the middle of this boxed in situation. And God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel four things. Number one, fear not. Everybody say fear not. Say stand still. Hold your peace, go forward. I want to teach you two of the four things today because I want to equip you. Our culture is coming unglued. Culture, sociologically, politically, you look at the news. By the way, I don't even watch the news anymore because they're so filled with fear. I, want to I, I, I will look at the news and read it because I don't want the spirit of fear on that commentator transferred onto me. I'm serious, I don't say that to be disrespectful. I know there's some great men and women that do that, but I'm telling you that there was, there was such a fear in our culture. Watch what Moses, God told Moses to tell the people. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which you will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. I was studying this week and I was looking at this and I learned something this week. This is so powerful. Do you know the most encouraged admonition from the Lord instructing us how to live? Do you know what it is? It's not be more loving, although we ought to be more loving. It's not be more kind, although we ought to be more kind. 
It's not be a servant, although we ought to be a servant. The thing that God told his people historically throughout the written word of God more than any other command. Here it is. You guys ready? 366 times it's in the Bible. It's fear not, be not afraid. Fear not. I began to think to myself, why did God tell, why did God say fear not? I'm going to tell you why he said that. Because he knows every single day that you wake up, the devil's going to be sitting on the end of your bed trying to torment you and paralyze you. And God wants you to know as you take that day, fear not. Everybody say it. Come on, say it. Fear not. You say, Pastor, I thought there was only 365 days. How do you know Jesus didn't forget leap year? Come on, y'all with me? He, he didn't forget it. Fear not, be not afraid. Fear not, be not afraid. Why is this so important? Because fear has the, has the potential to paralyze us. Fear has the potential to neutralize us. Is sin, is it, let me answer this. Is it sin to feel fear? No. But if you give in to fear, fear can cause you to sin. Fear can cause you to disobey God. Fear can cause you to compromise. We don't want to play around with fear. We don't want to have it anything part of our lives. I never forget as a little boy, uh, there was a pit bull in our neighborhood and, and it, was, it was a small little thing and we used to torment this little thing. It was behind a fence and, and I'm telling you, this is terrible. We'd throw things at it. it I remember I wasn't always saved and we would just be mean to it. And, and, but then about six months afterwards, that sucker grew up and it wasn't cute. I don't think fear's cute. Sometimes we joke, oh, I got little fears. Oh, little insecurities. Oh, it's always in my family. Well, get it out of your little family. Get it out of your soul. Get it out of your life. It's not, because when it grows up, you don't want it to torment you. Now, listen to this. There are only two mindsets. There's only two in the culture. There's a mindset of faith, trusting God. God is for us and not against us. We can overcome with God. There's only two mindsets. Or number two, there's a mindset of fear. There's a mindset of what? Say it faith, where we unashamedly obey God, where we step out, where we love God, where we honor God, where there's a mindset of fear. And sometimes it's highly sophisticated. We call it scenario planning, probabilities. And, but, 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 but the reality is, is that people are, are very, they're very skilled in working themselves into mindsets of fear. What they don't realize and what they underestimate is there's often a spirit attached to it. So there's a mindset of faith, and there's a mindset of fear. We see it all through the Bible. There's only two mindsets. There's not three. There's not four. There's not five. There's a mindset of faith. I believe God is God. I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to trust him and go for it. Or there's a mindset of fear. I'm not sure. And what if? And maybe. And you never know. And as a matter of fact, the children of Israel, when they crossed the, the Red Sea and they went into the promised land, it was only supposed to be an 11-day journey. It was only an 11-day journey going to the promised land. And they cross the Red Sea and they're high-fiving. Yeah, it was awesome. Did you see Moses? It's amazing. Charlton Heston raised those hands up. Man, that, if y'all didn't see the movie. And so that thing split. This thing was awesome. They're high-fiving. You know, they're kind of turning around to Pharaoh. You know, they're going, yeah, you know. They're sticking their tongue out. And they're like, this is awesome. But then they get into the wilderness. It's a couple of days in there. And then God taps somebody and says, hey, 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 Mo. I want you to get one guy from every tribe. Listen to this. I want you to get one person from every tribe. I want you to get 12 guys. Theologians believe on the low end, there's a million Israelis. On the high end, there's two million. So let's just say a million and a half, all right? Moses is the pastor of a million and a half people. And he sends out 12 assistant pastors to go check out the land. 
These guys go check it out and they come back. A million and a half people are there. Y'all ready for this? A million and a half. There's only two mindsets. 10 of them go, Moses goes, all right, tell us what's up. What do y'all think? Oh, it's not good, Moses, man. It's not cool at all. I mean, it's a nice land. Don't miss it. It's nice. But I'm telling you, there's giants, there's obstacles, there's all kinds of stuff. And, and, and as they went to the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, all the million and a half people, their countenance is falling. They're getting discouraged and they're, they're, they're listening to this negative, fearful report. Joshua and Caleb are sitting over here and finally they go, uh, excuse me, excuse me. I don't agree with those guys. I don't agree. No, 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 no. We are more than able to take this with God. No, no, no. I don't believe my family's going other. No, I don't believe I'm going to starve. No, I don't believe I'm going to stay stuck in addiction. No, I don't believe that we're going back. No, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 30, I, I, I love this. It says, then Caleb quieted the people. I, I, hush, stop it. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able. What is the difference? What is the difference of somebody, watch this, who has a mindset of faith versus a mindset of fear? It's one word, perspective. It's all how you see it. Do you see yourself as capable in God? Do you see yourself as adequate in God? Do you see your God, like pastor talked about? Do we believe that our God is able and willing to do through our lives the unexplainable? Do we believe that or not? Speaking of perspective, it reminds me of a, a girl who wrote a true letter to her mom and dad. She, she, she said this, talking about the power of perspective. Dear mom and dad, she wrote, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire set off by the student riots, I've experienced temporary lung damage. She's in college. I've experienced temporary lung damage and I had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with the orderly well, we've moved in together. I dropped out of college when I found out that I was pregnant. Unfortunately, he got fired because of his drinking and his drug abuse. Now we're gonna move to Alaska where we'll probably get married after the birth of the baby. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of that really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class and I wanted you to keep it in proper perspective. <laughs> Pretty smart girl, huh? I wrote this down, perspective is a sense of proportion. An unhealthy fear is the product of an off-kiltered sense of perspective. What is your mindset? Is it a mindset of faith or a mindset of fear? Let me give you two negative consequences, all right, of a mindset of fear, and then let me give you one PowerPoint to help you overcome fear. Number one, the first negative about having a mindset of fear, you know what it does? It erodes your joy it erodes your joy and it multiplies regret. That's the first thing. You want to write that down. It erodes your joy and it multiplies regret. There's a staggering cost to having fear in our life. That's why in my life personally, listen, I have been historically fearful about many different things. So you're not talking about somebody. This isn't theoretical to me. You're talking about a guy as a believer that slept with the lights on for a year. So I get it. But what I found in my life is that if I don't attack fear, 
If I don't, I mean, I'm talking about with all the force in God's word, with all of my will combined with God's power, if I don't deal with it, I end up, watch this, eradicating joy in my life and multiplying regret. Have you ever seen, have you ever, be honest, have you ever seen a joyful, fearful person? How are you doing? Great. Joy in the Lord is my strength, oh God. It's impossible. Joy and fear, they're incompatible. Joy and fear, they're irreconcilable. Joy and fear, they're mutually exclusive. That's why God doesn't want you living in fear. He wants you living filled with faith. He wants you living filled with joy. Let me give you the second thing. You guys ready for this? Living with a mindset of fear will contaminate others. See, there are no such thing as private fears. Your fear, my fear, it affects people that we work with. It affects our, our family. It affects our spouse if we're married. It affects our job. It affects our neighborhood. If we have a spirit of fear, it affects how we respond to other people. It affects people. Now just think about it. 10 people cause 2 million people, maybe a million, because it said, God said everybody over 40, all the children of Israel, you guys aren't going to the promised land. Why? Because you believe those 10. You talk about multiplication. Are y'all with me? Man, let it never be said of me that my fear caused somebody to miss their destiny. Let it never be said of me in my kids' lives. Let it never be said of me that my fear, and I'll be honest, I've dealt with fear at times and I realize that I've often gone from concern to craziness, even with my kids, because I did crazy things as a kid. And, and I want to make sure that I, watch this, I want to make sure that I'm transmitting and that I'm transferring a spirit of faith in my house. That when people get around me, there's more of a trust in God. When people get around me, they believe God for the unexplainable. They believe God, listen, for the immovable. No, 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 with God we can make sure. I want to make sure. I want Dads, listen to me. I encourage you. I love you as a dad. I affirm you. But dads and moms, we are either leaving a legacy of fear or a legacy of faith with our kids. Let it be a legacy of faith. Let it be a legacy of faith. I'll close with this. We see that there's a high cost of fear. Fear is not cute. It's not a little thing that you want to coddle. It's not a thing, well, my family's this, and so we've always had these fears. We want to, we want to identify it. Once we identify the enemy, then we can attack it. I'm going to give you, before I close, one way to overcome fear, whether it's a mindset of fear or whether it's a spirit of fear. You guys ready? How many of y'all want one thing to overcome fear? Anybody in the house? Man, that isn't good enough. Anybody want to know how to overcome fear? Come on. All right, let me give you one thing. I got three minutes. I got three minutes and I'm going to close. Here it is. How do you overcome fear? Go back to Exodus, then we'll go to Ephesians 6 real quick. Watch this. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. I want to give you one way, whether it's a mindset of fear or whether it's a spirit of fear. One way to overcome fear on a practical basis. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, this is so cool. Watch this. Do not be afraid. Everybody say, fear not. Yeah. Look at the next thing he said. Let's say it at the count of three. One, two, three. Stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Listen, God told the children of Israel, number one, fear not. Number two, stand still. Now listen to me closely. Standing still in the Bible is never passively resigning yourself to circumstances. It's always actively pressing in and trusting God that in any moment, listen, he's going to break out, bust in, and your circumstances are going to change. Any moment. I, 
I, look, I'm not passively surrendering. I'm standing in faith. Like why, I used to catch a bus in high school sometimes, my buddies and I, and you, you, if you catch a bus, all right, you, you're looking for the bus. Any moment, I, I know that, because I know at 10.07 that thing comes. I, I know, and I know God comes because in his word, but I know at any moment. So when I'm standing, I'm not resigning myself to, so I'm always a victim. I'm always going to be, you feeling like, no, no, no. I'm standing, but I'm standing in a posture of faith. Now, let me give you this last thing and we'll close. The greatest classic chapter in the Bible on spiritual warfare. This is so powerful. It's going to help some people. The greatest chapter, it's the classic chapter on spiritual warfare in all of the Bible, specifically the New Testament, but all the Bible. It's Ephesians chapter six. Paul the Apostle is inspired by the, listen to this, by the Holy Spirit, inspiring Paul to write about how that we can win in spiritual warfare, that we don't have to live, live subjugated to the devil, but we can live in victory over. And here's what he does. He takes, we believe the Bible's inspired by God, right? Don't we believe that? So he, but he, he inspires Paul, but he also uses contemporary cultural pictures in order to inform Paul so that Paul could translate that to his audience. In other words, he uses Roman armory. Everybody knew because Rome was in charge of the, of the then known world. So they all knew Roman soldiers. And he said, Paul, tell him this. Tell, tell him about the helmet of salvation. Yeah, that big, strong helmet. It's just, so the helmet, Roman, it's a helmet of salvation. Paul, tell them about the, tell them about the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah, tell them, Paul. They got to put it on. Tell them to put on the belt of truth, Paul. Tell them to put on the shoes. And, and, and Paul, when they do this, Ephesians chapter six, when they do this, tell them that when they put the armor on, they need to stand in faith. Look at, look at this. Four times, I was studying it this week, four times, two verses. Here it is. It's the word stand. Everybody say stand. stand. Say fear not. Fear not. Stand. stand. God's going to teach you how to stand. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. This word, therefore put on the full armor of God. Tell him, Paul, so that when the evil day comes. What is an evil day? I'll tell you what an evil day. It is a strategic concerted effort of the devil. We're not once, but you're strict. You're st the enemy hits you with two or three things simultaneously. You know what it is. It's usually never one thing, but it's two or three things when it strikes you. That's an evil day. It is the, it is the synthesis. It's the coming together of three strikes from the enemy. Boom, boom, boom. That's an evil day. But listen, God says they're going to come, but you don't, have to, you, don't, you don't have to be overwhelmed. Why? When it happens that you may be able to what? Come on, say it with me. You may be able to what? Stand your ground. And after having done everything to what? Say it. Stand. Why does he keep talking about standing? Let me give you this picture and we'll close. Part of the Roman soldier's armory, this, is so, this was the most important thing. We often don't talk about it. It wasn't just the helmet. It wasn't just the belt. It was the shoe. On the bottom of a Roman soldier is a one-inch spike. We're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat, baby. We're not talking about launching missiles. And when those Roman soldiers were in hand-to-hand -hand combat, right before the enemy would grab them, here's what they would do. Watch this. And Paul was inspired by God to drive this point home. This is what the Roman soldiers do. They would go, they would take that one-inch spike and go. You put a one-inch spike, you try to wrestle somebody, like hand, you wrestle somebody standing up, all of a sudden you put a spike underneath your boot, all right? And now you go like this. 
How you know your posture just got fortified? <laughs> your position was just strengthened. Paul says, when the evil day comes, when a spirit of fear comes, listen, you, you stand in faith. But you're not standing on your intellect. You're not standing on your IQ. You're not standing on your EQ. You're not standing on your intellectual prowess, your ability to know people, your social networking. You're standing on something, the word of God, and someone, God himself. Are you with me? You're standing. You're standing. You're standing. Everybody say, fear not. Stand still. Now, the greatest way to stand in the Bible, listen, in faith, is when you speak the word of God over your life. You know, I learned something. You can't outthink the devil, but you can outspeak him. What did Jesus do in the, hey, what did Jesus do in the wilderness? It is what? It is written. He spoke the word. Stand in faith. All right? Last story. I'm dealing with fear. A guy was discipling me, Doug Armin. He said, Steve, I want you to take three by five cards. I'm, I'm gonna teach how to overcome a spirit of fear. This is the way, not a way, the way. This is it, whether it's a mindset or a spirit of fear. He said, I want you to take three by five cards and I want you to write scripture down. How many of y'all remember three by five cards? Under 30, you don't have a clue. You don't remember pens, you don't know cards. That's stuff we did way back. He says, I want you to write down scripture, Steve. And I want you, whether when that spirit hits you and that fear hits you at nighttime, I want you to get out of your bed, get your three by five cards, and I want you to begin to pace back and forth. And I want you to speak those things over your life. And so I remember two o'clock in the morning, I, I would feel that fear. Uh, I, I'm so scared. I'd roll out of my bed. I got those. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If God is for me, who can be against me? Next card. I am a new creation of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I, I wrote down the whole Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my strong. I'm not yielding. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in to the spirit of fear. Not giving in to that spirit. One time my dad came two o'clock in the morning. He goes, what are you doing? Are you on drugs? I said, no, I used to be. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm driving back a spirit of fear, Dad. Look at here and I'll close. Listen to me. Listen to me. God loves you so much. God cares about you. He doesn't want you living enslaved by fear. Write down those scriptures. Write it down. I sought the Lord, Psalms 34, and he heard me. He heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. You speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. Fear not. Stand still. I'm telling you, you'll drive back the spirit of fear. God bless you guys. Y'all are awesome. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.